Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Well, um, I don't know about you, but uh, Christmas is eight, eight days away. Woo! Crazy, crazy stuff. Um, you know, exciting, maybe scary, maybe getting a little bit jittery, just thinking about all the things that you need to get done. School's out for the year. All the teenagers and those that work in schools are excited. Uh, all the parents are excited about not doing school runs. And then it gets to 10 a.m. during the day, and you're like, you know what, I would take a school run over 13 I'm hungries and 24 I'm boards in the first two hours. But maybe you're different to me. But um, here's, the, here's the challenge at this time of year, like I just mentioned, with all these things going on, would we take some moments to encounter and behold Jesus? And that's what our Christmas series has been all about. It's, uh, we've been talking about behold, you know, divine encounters this Christmas. And when we speak about divine encounters, it can be easy to think of the massively, you know, like epic ones. And let's be honest, the ones we've been talking about in this series are pretty amazing. Angels appearing and announcing good news to Mary. Angels appearing, announcing good news to Joseph. Today we're going to talk about uh, the shepherds that also had this divine um, visitation, and we've seen all those moments that God uh, broke through in their world and delivered some like earth-shattering news, and, and sometimes He does that. But also, uh, as followers of Jesus, we have a responsibility to set aside time to encounter God. Now, the great thing is you're doing it right now. By, by, by coming on a Sunday morning and gathering together uh, with God's people, by uh, listening to the Word, by lifting your voices in, in praise and, and, and adoration of God. You're, you're encountering Jesus this Christmas, but we, we, we want to not just leave that on a Sunday and said, I, I, I'd encourage you over this season, would you take some time, open the Word of God. You're like, I don't know where to start. The Bible's quite big. Can I suggest Luke chapter 1? It's, it's the Christmas story of Jesus. Just start in Luke 1. Keep, keep going. Uh, see, see where you go. Let's encounter God's Word this Christmas. Let's encounter God in prayer this Christmas. Maybe like, I'm not sure where to pray. That's a great place to start is pray for yourself. Uh, if, if, if you're married, pray for your spouse. Then start to just circle out. Pray for your family. Pray for loved ones. Pray for friends. If you don't know how to pray, come along tonight, 5 to 6 p.m. It's a great environment to, to learn how to pray. This Christmas, let's behold the greatest gift that the world has ever seen, and that is Jesus Christ. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the center of the Christmas story, that is the birth of Jesus Christ, through the, through the lens of a couple of different people who experience behold moments, divine encounters. And so each time, we've been asking two questions. First one is this, is what does this divine encounter reveal about them? So we've talked about Mary and Joseph, we're talking about the shepherds today. And therefore, what does it reveal about us? Because who knows that human nature tends to be the same all the way through the ages, right? So what does this divine encounter reveal about them and therefore us? And the second question we've been asking each week is what does this divine encounter reveal about God? And so we spoke about Joseph last week and his encounter revealed that we have less control than we think we have. We, we like control, let's, let's all be honest. I like control, you like control. We all like control, but we have less control than we think. And it revealed about God that he values 
every piece of the puzzle. That Joseph didn't play a peripheral part in the story of Christ. He was right there in the center and every part of the puzzle matters. Mary, who Rachel spoke about so powerfully two weeks ago, mother of Jesus, her encounter revealed that there were circumstances around her life that looked like a disadvantage, but they were actually an advantage. God used them to form and to shape Mary into who he had called her to be. And it revealed about God that he's not limited to our human ideas of influence, that God would take a betrothed young lady from an out-of-the-way on the backside of nowhere village and choose to bring the Son of God through her life shows us that we don't need to have the most followers on social media, be the, uh, you know, be the, you know, have the most friends in life or, or be wealthy or powerful to bring influence, but God has different ideas when it comes to how he influences the world. And so that brings us to today. We're looking at a third encounter through the eyes of a group of shepherds. So these guys also had a visitation from some angels. Now, before we read this, there's some info that I'd like to share with you about shepherds in that particular culture because it helps us to understand what's going on here. And so being a shepherd was not high on the social order for uh, the Jewish people around that time. The general flow for men in that culture was this. They would learn the ways of the Jewish faith until the age of 12. Um, so they would, they, they, they would learn what uh, the Jews would call the Torah, so the first five books of the Bible. That they would learn the ways of the Jewish faith until 12 under the guidance of a rabbi. That was their school. Then the best of the best were selected to apprentice under a rabbi. Side note, Jesus was not selected because he became a carpenter like his father. So if you weren't selected to be on the track, you know, like they're on the track, they're climbing the ladder to be a religious leader in Israel, then what you did is you did whatever your father did. And so it's actually mind-blowing that the Son of God didn't make the cut and ends up being a carpenter like his father. But shepherds, they were actually usually outcasts who for whatever reason... Uh, hadn't followed in their father's line of work. Um, So New Testament scholar, a guy called Craig Evans, who doesn't sound like a scholar. Do you know what I mean? Like scholars normally have like fancy names. This is like, mate, my mate Craig. Anyway, Craig Craig Evans uh, wrote this uh, about it. He studied the New Testament. He said this, In the first century, shepherds did not have the reputation for being overly circumspect with regard to the property of others. They are often held in contempt and considered as nothing more than roving vagabonds and thieves. I just wanted to read that quote so I could say the word vagabonds. But, but anyway, just gives us a bit, of a bit of a picture here, right? So this is the setup. This is what shepherds are like uh, during that time. And now let's read their encounter with the angel. This is Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. It'll be on the screen behind me. It says this, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel um, 
sorry, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Now, taking into account what we just learned or or, or knew about shepherds at the time of Christ, you've got to ask the question, why does this divine encounter take place in this cold, dark field with these guys. Like, like surely, God, there's some better options. If you want to spread your word, spread your influence, like surely there's some more popular people, more influential people. Why shepherds? You see, I believe it's no accident that God declared this great news of a saviour to the downcast, to the alienated, and to the forgotten. You see, it was, a, it was an intentional decision by God that no earthly system defines whether you hear the good news or not. The great announcement of Jesus is not for a certain class or race or socioeconomic level, but as the angel's announcement said, it is good news that brings great joy to all people. That's why we celebrate Jesus Christ. And so our, our first question, answering our first question, what, this, what does this divine encounter reveal about the shepherds and about us? Number one is this, is divine encounters are designed to empower us for God's mission. Empower us for God's mission. You see, the shepherds had a behold moment, but they didn't just camp around that one, that, that one encounter. They didn't stay out in the field in that moment. You know, they didn't open up their smartphone, put on selfie cam and start an Insta live stream. Hey guys, guess what just happened? You were not going to believe this. I just want to jump on here, give you this message. We had these angels. They turned up. It was amazing. They didn't do anything like that. What did they do? They responded by saying, let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened. We don't just want to hear about it. We don't just want to have this uh, phenomenal encounter with angels, but we, we're hungry and we're desperate for more. We want to go and see this thing for ourselves. After seeing for themselves, it says that they glorified God for all they had seen and heard. You see, our divine encounter with God, it should propel us to spread His message. That that's part of the Christmas story is that we don't just keep this to ourselves, but we spread it out into our workplaces, schools, families, and communities. Jesus says it like this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 15. He says, you don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. You let the light shine so that people see. You see, and to do this, for the shepherds to do this, they would have had to overcome some fear of rejection they, 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 they may have asked the question, you know, we're just shepherds. Will anyone believe us? Will, will, will anyone think that, you know, that, that we know what we're talking about? 
They, they, they might have even had questions on their way to going to see Jesus for themselves. You know, remember, they're the outcasts. They've just received this news about a king being born, about, about God glorifying and there being this baby to, to go and see. Maybe they might have been thinking, well, what if we gather around this baby in a manger and there's rulers and kings and influential and wealthy people? We would never, would never be accepted there. But what they did is they broke through some of that fear to encounter Jesus. Maybe when you hear about going and spreading the good news, you feel the same way, fearful. Oh, what if they think I'm a wacko? What if they're an atheist? You know, fear can speak so loudly to us. I'm sure we've all heard the, heard, sorry, the fear acronym before. You know, fear stands for false evidence appearing real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or I'm, I'm whipping out all the old school ones that my pastor used to say. Or I, I love this one. Fear came knocking at my door, and when I opened it, no one was there. Has anyone heard that one before? Yes, if you're over 60. Excellent, fantastic. Now the under 60s have. Um, but, you know, do you know this? It's, it's actually quite interesting. Uh, uh, McCrindle, which is a research institute in, um, in Sydney, they did a recent survey and it's actually been, it was actually um, shown that four in ten Australians say they would go to church if a friend or family member invited them. Four, four out of ten. That, that means, I'll, I'll do a bit of maths for you here, that means that 10.6 million Australians are only a friendly invite away from coming to church. How amazing is that? Sometimes fear tells us something else. But, but here we have a research paper telling us something different. Think about your workplace. Four out of ten people in your office, if invited, would come to church. Maybe you're a teenager, you think about the 10 friends of yours that maybe don't follow Jesus. Four out of 10 would say yes to coming on a Friday night. Four out of 10 would say yes. Yeah, I'll come to, I'll, I'll come to youth camp if they're asked by a family member or a friend. I, I know I'm like on the numbers train here. But say there's, there's about 100 people right in this room right now. Do you know if we all invited five people to our Christmas service next week, statistically, that would mean that 300 would turn up. Now, I know what you're thinking. I'm like, challenge accepted. We'll fit them in somewhere. We'll, 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 we'll squash it up. We'll get the permanent marker and change the maximum occupancy certificate. No, we won't do that. We won't do that. You know, but we'll, we'll fit them in somewhere. But, but it's amazing. Just, just five invites, and if my maths is correct, which I think it is, uh, two out of five is 40%. Someone can fact check that me, fact check me later. But with that success rate, that means we'd have to try and fit 300 people in here next Sunday. Amazing. How, how good would that be? You know what? It's just an invite away. But I know even for my life, we just need to break through some fear. We see the breakthrough and remember that the good news of Christmas is not to keep and hold for ourselves, but it's to spread and to make, and to make a difference. Our national leader of Alpha, which, uh, which we run Alpha here at our church, great program for introducing and building foundation of what we believe in Christian faith. But the national leader of Alpha, uh, Melinda Dwight, says that they expect to welcome their one millionth guest, this is Australia only, through the course in 2025. One, one million Australians. And, and, and their goal is in the next 10 years that they will get another million through Alpha by 2035. Come on, imagine if we were part of seeing this movement of, of, of God. People are hungry for God. Imagine 2 million Australians through Alpha in 2035. Someone can give me the percentage of, I think, what, 30, uh, yeah, whatever, 7.5%. I think something like that. 
It would be Australians through Alpha. How amazing. But you see, we've got to not let fear stop us. There's a hunger growing in our nation for the good news that we've been privileged to share. Maybe you're here today and you feel a little bit like the shepherds might have felt. Maybe you feel not accepted. Maybe unworthy. Maybe you think there's too much baggage in your life. You know, this divine encounter reveals that the good news of Christmas is for you. It's for me. It's for, for all of us. The shepherds heard the announcement and their response was, let's go and see this thing for ourselves that the Lord has told us about. So when we encounter God, it should always stir up a response, a response to an action. You know, the shepherds couldn't keep it for themselves. A passion rose up inside of them. I just read it before, but Luke 2.20, which we read earlier, says this, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they have had heard and seen, which, uh, which were just as they had been told. You know what? Breaking fear... Breaking fear always brings about praise and celebration. There's, there's something about, about stepping out, about breaking fear off your life, about inviting someone to our Christmas Eve service next week. I'm, I'm two out of five. I've got uh, two no's so far. So the percentages say the next three, I'm going to get two out of three of them. <laughs> come on, come on. They'll know because they're away, but it's all right. We're going we're, we're gonna to get there. But imagine stirring up. You see, because... There's things going on in people's lives that, 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 that we don't understand. So, number one, divine encounters that is, are designed to empower us for God's mission. They're designed to empower us for God's mission. And number two is this. What does this behold moment, uh, this divine encounter reveal about God? It reveals that the good news of Jesus Christ is for all. The angel's announcement was, I bring good news that will cause great joy for all people. All people. Maybe you're thinking of a, a friend or a relative or a co-worker, and your first response is like, oh, no, they would never accept Jesus. You know, the shepherds show us that Jesus is for all, regardless of our opinions for others. So, sometimes we say no for other people. You know, maybe they, maybe they wouldn't say no. Maybe there's actually a whole bunch of things going on in their life under the surface that you have no idea about? Do, do you have hopes and thoughts and dreams and, and fears that you keep locked up and not tell anyone about? I do. You probably do as well. Maybe they do as well. And maybe right at this time, they're wondering about what's the point of existence. You know, all the big, big life questions. Why am I here? What am I doing? What, what, what happens next when I, when I leave this earth? Do I just get buried in the ground or, you know, cremated or whatever? You know, is there, is there life after death? What goes on? Maybe they are wrestling with all those and it's all internal on the inside and we have no idea. Yet, just in that moment as we step out and maybe invite or share a story of what God's done in our life or say, hey, what are you doing on Christmas Eve? Why don't you come along? 10 a.m. Whatever. Hey, Carol's has been gone, but 2020. Four? Is that the year next year? Yeah, 2024. Got all confused. 14th of December. Come along. What, what is it? Maybe God's just going to align those things that just at this time, He's preparing them that they are, are, are right and ready to receive the good news of Jesus. You see, a royal decree is made in the most unlikely place, out in the fields with those ostracized and looked down upon 
by society. This, this shows us here, it's like the, it's the divine Jesus coming to frail humanity. And this, and this picture, this announcement, sorry, is a picture that can point us to the truth that Jesus came in the likeness of sinful flesh. It says that the Bible teaches that God was full, that Jesus, sorry, was fully God and fully human at the same time. This announcement uh, is, is another way to illustrate the amazing sovereignty and perfection of Jesus with the frail humanity that we live in, that, that Jesus brought both of those together so that we could come into relationship with God. You see, all the other major world religions are built upon a framework of humanity getting to God. Christianity is built on the foundation that God came down and dwelt among us. He's Emmanuel, God with us. No, no, no other major world religion teaches that. It teaches ways to get to God, ways to, you know, um, to get to nirvana or to get to peace or to empty yourself of all desire, all those, all those, all those types of things. But Christianity teaches that, that you don't have to work to God, that God came down. He descended from heaven, Emmanuel, and he dwelt with us. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with God, you don't have to try and climb your way to him. Don't have to try and, and make yourself good enough. I love what Jess shared uh, in the baptism there that, uh, where she thought she had to be perfect. But I know the, in the cross, in salvation, in faith in Christ, he makes us perfect because he exchanges our weakness for his strength. My imperfection gets changed for his perfection. Do I have a lot of stuff to work out along the way? Absolutely. But before God, because of Christ, because of his sacrifice, I am made whole and I am made new. Maybe Ben could come and join me and help me wrap up quicker. Uh, the angels declared, they said this, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. You know, to get the best understanding of this famous announcement, we've got to remind ourselves what peace in the Bible uh, usually means. It's not a, it's not a general uh, peacefulness with prosperity. It's not a, it's not a trouble-free life. Peace means the, en- the end, sorry, of enmity and warfare. And you're like, end of war? Yeah, I'm into that. But the Bible says that the most fundamental and important peace that we have in our lives is peace with God. Peace with God. That's the peace that Jesus came to bring. Through His life, His sacrifice on the cross and His resurrection, He enables us to come back to our true design, to return to God because of what He has done. How, how amazing, how wonderful, what, what, what such good news and great joy it is that we can have peace with God. Do we pray for peace and the end of war in this world? Absolutely. Do we, do, do, do we pray that, that conflict cease and, and peace reigns in this earth? Absolutely. But ultimately, we will never have peace until we find peace with God. We, we don't have personal peace, so why would we, without God, so why would we expect global peace? Or why would we expect family peace? Or why would we expect friendship peace when we're missing peace with God? That's the foundation of everything. But through Christ, through Jesus, through the greatest gift that humanity was ever given, we can find peace with God. 
the famous church father, St. Augustine, said this, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. So this morning as we, as we wrap up, let's remember the shepherd's divine encounter. Let's remember what it shows us, that, that God has empowered us, all of us, no matter our status, to spread His good news, to, to make a difference, to invite people to church, to be generous towards others, to, to pray for them, to, to share our faith, to share what God's doing. I love what Chris said about Easter and Christmas. What a great opportunity that God has placed before us. And, and let's remember that this good news of Jesus is for all. This good news of Jesus is for all. Would you bow your heads across this place? God, I just thank you right now. I thank you for every single person. Lord God, we just take a moment right now. Maybe there's people here and they're not at peace because they're not at peace with you. But we thank you that today, today can be a moment where they respond and say yes to Jesus Christ. Say yes to accept His love. Yes to accept His grace. Across this place, if that's you, if you'd like to say yes to Jesus, maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you have and it's been a while back and you know there's been a, a disconnect between you and God. Is there someone here we won't leave out the front or embarrass you? But would you...